This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. I'm a warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in yet another class for my students on the Ward Scott Files, and we're broadcasting from the Manly Wardall Command Center inside the Melon Law Studio. Melon Law, with 50 years of experience, is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Melon Law won't back down. We're protected by crime prevention, security systems. Get in contact with them at cpss.net. And of course, our legal representation here for these mugshots is the hometown High Springs attorney, Maurice T. McDaniel, Special Forces Airborne, former deputy sheriff, the whole nine yards. So we also applaud Shoot GTR. Our other sponsor, Shoot GTR, has come on as our most recent sponsor. Uh, Shoot to range quite often. Keep my skills up. So, well, well, well. We, <laughs> you know, I've been reporting on this uh, story for so, so long. And, you know, there's all kinds of evasive tactics and maneuvers and you get liars and you try to blame it. I, I, I titled the day show The Blame Game. This entire show pretty much is going to have today um, examples of the blame game. Casting the blame on anybody else but yourself. You know, it just must be somebody else's fault that I'm sorry. It, it can't be my fault. I mean, after all, I'm not responsible for my own actions. I need somebody to look after me. So, and I really would never deceive or act a, a lesson forthcoming. But we've got an example here. You know, we've been covering this so long that it goes back to the radio days when I was on the radio and we had our good creative artist, Jonathan, making songs for us. Let's play that. Can we now please uh, production? had the biggest mouth around she thought she was the smartest rep in heels well she started up a non-profit and somehow made money off it and got involved in quite some dirty deals she's in the jailhouse now she's in the jailhouse now that's not the way a charity runs She won't be having fun She's in the jailhouse now I let you Don't put me in the slammer I only did what all the others do I thought my donors were trickable But the judge said that's despicable And then away the key he threw She's in the jailhouse now She's in the jailhouse now they locked the cell on poor Corinne This one she'll never win She's in the jailhouse now I-O-Lady-Hoo 
Tuning in late, you missed the entire deal there. Created by a good buddy of yesteryear, uh, Jonathan, who would be come up with these great songs. That's an original back to radio days. That's how long I've been covering the Corrine Brown saga. Uh, the blame game where it was everybody else's fault but hers. She came from the most fantastically Gerrymander district, you can imagine. Uh, it, it, it started up north of here, and then it went east, and then it went south, and it wiggled around, and it, it tried to pick up every um, black enclave it could pick up, and 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 you know, all in the name of leveling the playing field. And of course, Mama didn't raise no fool. Corrine Brown saw right away that the sucker born every minute, and. Um, as Ray said, the problem is she's not in the jailhouse now, but we'll get to that part of it. She'd been in the jailhouse, though, Ray, uh, by golly. And so um, there she goes. She goes down the road that so many go. Uh, Black Lives Matter has done the same thing, apparently. Uh, you know, been less than truthful about where the money is. We got the black loan fraud fiasco in this area. That's that's still unfolding. We're going to cover that a little bit for you one of these days and give you an update. And... Uh, <laughs> So here we got Corrine Brown. Now, let, let, you know, she's done been found guilty. And then her lawyers found a way to try to throw it back into the discussion again by saying there was a juror who stood up one day and said right in the middle of the uh, proceedings that Jesus told him that Corrine was innocent. Well, they protested that. And if that were the case, we would be like some of these um, extremist Islamic cultures where it was really a, the the jury was just a uh, a ruse. There really wasn't anything to it. God told them to hang the guy for being a homosexual, that type of thing. But we don't do that here, hopefully, and we didn't do it in the Corrine Brown situation. They booted that poor man off the thing for listening to God's voice and letting that make up his mind about Corrine and not basing it on the evidence. You see, in the courts, you're supposed to base it on the evidence. And uh, but he based it on some voice he heard, which he said was God. Well, you can't really question that, except God ain't got the evidence, or at least he hadn't shared the evidence he made his determination on. And we got to be careful about masculinizing the, the deity now because the women uh, don't want it to be a male deity. You understand that, don't you? So, um, the uh, the, the court said no, and they put another juror on, and nevertheless, found Corrine. Guilty of basically uh, robbing from the little chillin. If she ever had any intention of giving the little chillin anything, we don't even know that, I guess. Somebody asked me the other day, and I said, I don't know if the little chillin got a book out of the deal. But the, the public statement was, give me some money from my, uh, my little fund here, and I'll give it to the chillin, and we'll take care of the needy and the poor and the homeless and the hungry and the houseless and all that business. But it never got there. It got off into her uh, pocket and, you know, what she's spending on limos and nails and hair and all the other things that were necessities for her to be an effective congresswoman. Well, that all blew up. And uh, here she goes. Um, she is um, uh, back in uh, the court, uh, you know, and the court finds her guilty. Guilty. Did you, did you hear what I said? And put her on an ankle bracelet and sent her home. And we know where her house is. We had some guys that, you know, kept it under surveillance while to see some, see if she scooted out of there without telling anybody on when she wasn't supposed to. And she probably was a pretty good lady. She didn't go anywhere. She dang sure didn't want to go back to the jug where she complained, by the way, that she didn't get the proper treatment. I don't know if you remember this, but she didn't get the proper treatment and it had something to do with her age and all this. So she played all those harpsichords. And now she was going to have herself another trial. It's the only way I can possibly fathom why the boy named Lauren and the poodle and the thug banana pudding and the communist uh, commissioner, Seiko, Cinco, whatever her name is, gives everybody the bird when she's going into the 
City Hall, the International Fighter Pilots Salute, let's put it that way. And a bunch of jokers up there. Um, they they um, have refused now on consecutive uh, uh, pleas by their own advisory committee, Regional Transit System Advisory Committee, unanimously has voted not once but twice to remove Corrine, the guilty of a felony, uh, off of the the uh, building out there, and let's get on with it. I mean, after all, we've taken down Confederate statues and weren't guilty of anything. Um, you know, if you want to understand the Confederacy, all you have to do is look at Ukraine. Ukraine is to Russia as the South was to the North. Um, the South understood that it could be its own country. and It voted itself into the Union. It could vote itself out. That was the understanding. But there never has been a contract with what the federal government hasn't broken it. The federal government broke all of its agreements with the Native Americans. And, um, you know, the federal government's got the power to break all its contracts with you and me. The promises don't really mean anything. So uh, the South said, well, just run, have our own country. And, and, uh, and, uh, and no, you won't either. You won't back away. We're going to come down there and make you come back. And so the North came into the South using the Fort Sumter thing as a ploy of roots. Well, let's think of the same things going on with Russia and Ukraine. Okay. That's all there is to it. That's very easy to understand. So we've taken down, the, the winner always writes history and the winner always declares who's the hero and who isn't. So now, you know, it's all about taking down the statues of the Southerners who did nothing but create their own country. And they, of course, use slavery as a ruse. Um, so um, Putin is using ancient history as a ruse and saying that they were all one country at one time, da-da-da-da. Dada, dada. It doesn't take much for a politician to find an excuse. So Corrine Brown's no different. She found first the guy who stood up and said, Jesus told me, and then uh, she backed out of that. Now she has finally realized that there ain't, there must be some way out of here, said the joker to the thief. No, Corrine, there ain't no way out of here. We got you. And so she's finally decided now what this is all about. You know, it's not restoring voting rights. In other words, this is a Kramer going to have control, by the way, over federal uh, felonies. That's not too clear in what he has stated. Uh, we'll have to do a little research on that for him. He's not been clear about that. In other words, Corrine Brown has a federal felony. I guess is a felony, a felony, a felony. But anyway, um, she is um, really been trapped finally. And so she realized it. And the whole thing is about her pension. That's what she's really trying to hang on to. But what's interesting as I understand it, is the judges have said, listen, uh, you have to pay back that which you stole before you can have a pension to you. So your pension is going to be used to pay back that which you stole because that is your source of money. That's your only source of money. Judge is evidently reasoning. You get your money from the federal government, but you cheated. And you lied and you stole. So you owe restitution. And to do that, see, it's not just DeSantis, you understand. This is a blame game deal. This is another thing that's been uh, used here against the governor. It's not the Republicans. It's not the federal. Uh, it's not the, 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 the governor. It's decency. You stole now pay it back. Well, if you contributed to her, her slush fund, good luck. You're not going to be paid back. So that's the way it is. But she ain't going to get her money either to help her until she pays back. Now, she's, that's, a, that's her big concern. That's what this is about, the plea bargain. I proffer that to you as something which um, is a suggestion for you to think about. We've got a lot of research into this. We've got a lot of good contacts. Of course, we don't have a Lika from inside the judge's chambers, but we can reason through the strategy given the landmarks along the way. 
So it's the Ward Scott Files contention that this is about her pension. This is about having to skate on her responsibilities to pay back as best she can those who she, whom she ripped off. And this, by you got to remember, her name is still on the regional transit system building here in Alachaway County in Gainesville. Now, I don't think you can shame these thugs up there on the Gainesville City Commission. I don't believe they recognize guilt. I think they are some of the most callous, self-righteous people I've seen in public life. And, you know, there's not a lot of good public life by these people who represent us. And largely it's because regular decent people don't want to be dragged into this stuff. You know, uh, you got to sit next to these seamy characters on the dais. You got to keep one eye open when you sleep. Uh, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. They blame others. DeSantis is a breath of fresh air. He's, what he says he means, uh, he has principles. Already you can see what's happened to him. Oh, they're blasting him. But your choice would have been, would it not have been Gillum? who was found face down in the old natural in a no-tell motel with a boy toy. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, you, you, you come to your senses. I mean, but, you know, you have, to, you have to have something to come back to. And there's a lot of people who just don't have good sense. So uh, that's the, the, oh, my golly, there is a good picture of one. You know, my production guys are young, but they are really catching on. Uh, they sit in class every day every day and hear you, what you guys hear. And there you are. Uh, that is our Secretary of Agriculture who claims she wants to run against DeSantis, who claims that uh, she will be uh, a better leader of the state. And what she's got there in that picture is a marijuana t-shirt on. And she's surprised at a knock on her no-tell motel door uh, because she's just had a uh, well, let's put it this way, an argument with her, uh, her boyfriend, who was an executive, her owner, was Wrigley Gum deal, as I remember, heir, and he was involved with the Marahuna business, of which she had, don't you understand, jurisdiction over as secretary of the agriculture, and had to divest herself of all her interest in the Marahuna business. But there she's got her reefer madness t-shirt on. She's, her face is surprised because it is just after the knock on the door from the gendarmes, and she wants to know what, who, where, what did I do, who squealed, you know? And I got to tell you that the Ward Scott Files has got a great research team out there, which you all are members, and we got that picture, picture right away. Um, I know the word is picture, but I have a friend who insists on calling it picture, as if it were a picture, picture of water. But there you are. Yeah, that's that's what we're what we're dealing with. Nikki Freed Fried Frazzle there. So, you know, this is a great group of people. You got Nikki Freed Fried Frazzle. You got Gillum. You got Corrine Brown. You can take it all the way up to the Oval Office. You got Sleepy Uncle Joe. We're going to get into him in a little bit. All this business about the blame game. I don't know if there's any popular request to hear that song again. I'm a. I'm of the mind I'd like to hear. I haven't heard it in so long. I wonder if you'd play it one more time, production. I just really enjoy it. Therefore, can you handle that one more time, my man? was a rep named Corin Brown. She had the biggest mouth around. She thought she was the smartest rep in heels. Well, she started up a non-profit and somehow made money off it and got involved in quite some dirty deals. She's in the jailhouse now. She's in the jailhouse now That's not the way a charity runs She won't be having fun She's in the jailhouse now I your lady 
the lady who, yo the lady who, yo lady. Corinne was heard to stammer, don't put me in the slammer. I only did what all the others do. I thought my donors were trickable, but the judge said that's despicable. And then away the key he threw. She's in the jailhouse now. She's in the jailhouse now. They locked the cell on poor Corinne. This one she'll never win. She's in the jailhouse now. I lady who I lady who Yo lady who Yo lady Well no truer words were ever spoken than spoken by Jonathan there when he said, this one, she'll never win. She ain't going to win that one. And in responding to Ray Stern's comments here, it's not about whether her uh, pension will be revoked. It's about dunning her pension, taking out of it that which she owes before she has any money from it for her own self, if you will. You follow that, Ray? So how much will be left for herself, how much will the courts decide is enough for her to get by on. That's interesting. That's uh, still being worked out. I'm sure it's all part of the plea deal. I would surmise, reading between the lines or reading the tea leaves here, she keeps the pension, but that which she'll have left from it will be less than she would have had had she not lied and been found guilty and have to pay back that which she took. Uh, that concept leads me into the next story with one Brian Kramer, our state attorney, who uh, made a big statement yesterday about uh, what we were the ones who discovered it. I'm gonna ask production here in a moment to play and thank Channel 20. And, uh, and by the way, the reporter in this uh, the young lady reporter in this is Todd Chase's daughter. So uh, take a look at this. We're going to play this. This was uh, Kramer's statement to Channel 20 yesterday. And I'll have a few comments on it because there are a lot of things here that you need to maybe have a little help and understanding. Any questions felons have about whether they can vote can go straight to the state attorney. Eighth Circuit State Attorney Brian Kramer is launching a program to inform convicted felons about their voting rights. TV20's Kristen Chase tells us whether Kramer says this is related to the Alachua County jail inmates who were charged for illegally voting. And unfortunately, you know, people were incarcerated who had been incarcerated and served their sentences. Ron Rawls works with the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. He says he was not pleased hearing about the 10 Alachua County inmates arrested because of the confusion. But I understand the state attorney's side that it's the law. And, um, but they weren't aware of the law, and so I'm glad that they're offering solutions to avoid um, those type of actions again. The Voting Rights Restoration Verification Program, otherwise known as V8, gives convicted felons the opportunity to send the attorney's office all the information they know about their sentencing. The office will send back a letter to let them know if they're verified or not. We can tell someone, if we undertake this decision-making process for you and we decide that you are eligible, we can simply assure you that if you vote, we will not prosecute you in the 8th Judicial Circuit for any offense related to voting. Although this is just an opinion, election supervisors have the final say if someone can actually cast a ballot on Election Day. Officials say the program did not start because of the Alachua County inmate arrests. It had been in the works before then. A lot of times, uh, they just don't know that they owe fees and fines, so I think this is going to be a wonderful resource. The V8 program is for convicted felons in Alachua, Baker, Bradford, Gilchrist, 
Hillcrest, Levy, and Union counties. So that people can feel at ease um, when they go and do something as simple as voting. This is the first circuit court in Florida to launch this program, and state attorney Brian Kramer hopes others will follow. Reporting in Gainesville, Kristen Chase, TV 20 News. All right, thank you very much, production, for running that, and thank you, Channel 20, for, uh, and thank Todd Chase's daughter there for taking a look at this for us and reporting on it. I think she does a good job. Well, let me comment on what I see here. And first of all, for, for Reverend Rawls, he said he's been working on this for a long time. Working what he's working on is trying to get felons' rights restored, all that sort of business. It would never, ever have come to this point, Reverend Rawls, if it had not been for the Ward Scott files. This would never have happened because of Kim Barton or Brian Kramer. I, trust me, they would not have caught it. They would not have looked for it. They would not even probably have paid attention to it had it not been for consistent pressure we brought. So Reverend Rawls, you have a misplaced gratitude there, my, my good man. Don't thank Brian Kramer. Don't thank Kim Barton. Thank the Ward Scott Files. Thank Ward Scott and Mark Glazer. Period. Period. Our names never come up in this. They don't want them to come up. And that's one of the things that is kind of interesting. It's all their idea, you see. Oh, this is all my idea. I thought of all this V8 thing. I knew darn good and well this was going to be a problem. And I've been working on this. And you have to be very careful about how the timeline unfolds here. Because the F, you know, we'll straighten this out for you sometime and actually have bulleted dates by which this went down. But there was no behavior on the part of Kramer to look at this until we brought it to him. If he'd been, and it was so bad that the FDLE report said that the supervisor of elections, Barton, ran a sloppy organization. Paraphrasing, that's pretty much the conclusion. Kim Barton, supervisor of elections, was not very well run. That's in the report. More precise language I could pull out of the file here and read precisely to you. But um, the curious thing about this, aside from the fact that it's obvious that this would never have been talked about had we not found these. We found these in February of 2021. My memory served me right. He has not been working on this since February of 2021. He probably means, and you have to be, you have to listen very carefully, and I've listened a couple of times. I can't get a precise date. He's probably been working on this since the FDLE report. Well, we're going to try to pin that down, but it certainly was not since we got the information, first of all, all the way back about Zuckerbucks. By the way, Zuckerbucks is involved in this. Here's how Zuckerbucks is involved. The supervisor of elections received unsolicited from Zuckerberg, Facebook lad, $700,000. Why? Why? Well, to make up for the restrictions that COVID had imposed upon people's opportunity to vote. So the way to come around that, get around that, was to proliferate or increase absentee ballots. Now, I'm looking from memory. I've got the, all the reports, which I'm going to look at again in a, little, you know, in a couple of days. 
my memory serves about $40,000 went into the creation of absentee ballots. How many absentee ballots can you can you create with an extra $40,000? Now, remember, this is private money in a public event. Loophole in the law? I ask you about that. You make up your mind. Remember the blame game here is the name of the show today. So these absentee ballots go out. We have the questionnaire and the answers on it that Barton gave after this money had been spent. Did she know, have any accountability for the authenticity of those absentee ballots? And her answer was no. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Now, what is interesting here is the governor, and we question whether this election committee would have been created without the word Scott Files finding these transgressions, but it has been created and the governor's responded. And before that, even the governor said, and the courts upheld him, that if you're a felon, you can vote if you pay back everything you took. And some of these guys, it's impossible to do because they've got felony convictions that extends long before the one, the most recent one they've got. They're professional felony people. So you have a compulsion. How do the how do the people in the jail vote? Absentee ballot. Nobody let them out of the jail, I'm sure, and drove them down to the voting booth. They voted by absentee ballot. So what I'm doing, now be clear on this, I'm speculating, this is my speculation, that the compulsion to go to the jail was to make use of as much of Zuckerberg's money as you could by getting as many people as you could to sign up to vote absentee. Now, what we have here in legalese mumble jumble is what is called a loophole. Loophole. Well, ain't no law against it. Well, would there have been a law against it had not we brought the issue out? Had we not pushed it to the front of the stage? That's nowhere mentioned in this thump, chest-thumping V8 announcement. I'm going to do the right thing now that I've been caught not knowing about this. I'm going to go back and do the right thing. Well, we'll take a break here and I'll tell you what um, else we think about that because we started it. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. I'm just looking at Plantation Mark's comment absentee or mail in. I'll uh, check with the data investigator guys and get you the exact answer. Um, that this is just the beginning of the Chinese torture that's going to occur here for the state attorney. Now, these 10 that uh, you are seeing now surface in the news are just, just, just the tip of the iceberg. Barely, barely scratches the surface, okay? What we're talking about here is really questionable ethics, perhaps, uh, questionable responsibilities. And uh, as Jim Murphy says, it's not the responsibility to be uh, to the state attorney, to be the source. What we think, Jim Murphy, that uh, Brian Kramer is doing is pandering. And he's trying to please everyone. And let me tell you what's going to happen to that. That's going to bite him into you know what. He's trying to please everyone. You ain't going to live this life pleasing everyone. You've got to decide what you care about, what you think is reasonable, what you think is the best, and stick with it and present it and be able to defend it reasonably. Not emotionally, you know, not irrationally, all that business, through ideally argumentation and documentation, which we have done with this presentation of these voting irregularities, if you want to call it that, uh, from the very beginning. And that's why it has survived scrutiny. That's why the Federal Department of Law Enforcement, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, took it up and could not let it go because they found out that our research was dead on. And not only was our research dead on, they expanded on it and commented on it and chastised publicly in the report the supervisor of elections. Reasonable people have asked me, is Kramer covering for the supervisor of elections? Is Kramer covering for and preempting and getting ready to drop the charges against the 10? Because as I've said, it's tainted the jury pool. For the state attorney to come out and say something about that which he's also charging or prosecuting or not prosecuting violates, does it not, a lot of ethical responsibilities I've been asked. I invite you to think about it. Is it ethical for this statement to precede the actual examination in a due process in the courts of these hapless tenfold, one of whom is still on the land, okay? A fugitive from justice, if you will. Now, there has been a, uh, uh, a recent article just come out on uh, M's, uh, uh, Channel 4. We just got that just before I went on the air a moment ago, uh, wherein Kramer says to Channel 4 up in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville hunts very closely with the Ward Scott files. Uh, they don't go anywhere else first. They come to us because we have a record of reliability of information. If we give you the tip, the tip is sound, all right? And we get a lot of tips, which we examine for, you know, to see if they make sense and if they're, you know, helpful and valid. And that's a process we go through internally. And then if we find that those tips are very helpful, we'll put them out to the proper forums. Very seldomly do we put them out to the Gainesville Sunset because they don't pick up on them because there's a community censorship 
going on here in this liberal community with anything that would contradict their narrative, although they've changed a little bit. Someone noted yesterday, is it my imagination, Ward, or has the sun begun to just slightly move toward the center? I said, well, if they have, probably it's because we are coming out with information publicly that they're not coming out with, and we stop giving them this information because they don't come out with it. We'll feed it to Jacksonville. We'll feed it to Orlando. We'll feed it to Tallahassee. We don't feed it to the Gainesville Sun. So I think also that's why you see Andrew Kaplan back here, and he is now titled an investigative reporter. So, buddy, contacts us for the investigations. Uh, I want you to know this, too, uh, that I'm going to tell you with whom this conversation is going. Well, I'll tell you, it's with the uh, Florida Times Union. Uh, we're communicating with them. And uh, right now, uh, according to um, the research by the data investigator, and these are not covered uh, by the Amendment 4. They're not covered by, in other words, these people can never make restitution. Uh, they can't uh, appeal to Kramer and have Kramer give them an answer. Uh, yes, you can, or no, you can't, because these are sex offenders. Now, according to the numbers that I have that were shared with the Florida Times Union, just so you know, there are 2,000, we're gonna say 2,000 right now at this stage of investigation. There are 2,000 Florida sex offenders who fraudulently registered to vote in the 2020 election cycle. Okay? Where were the supervisors of elections then? Where were the state attorneys then? Hello. Hello. They have 500 according to the latest numbers, these are not the final, 500 de-voted in the 2020 general election. Okay? What we're talking about here is election integrity. And you have to be careful. You know why it beep, because if, it con if it's contrary to the media-accepted narrative. They censor us. The evidence, though, remains for all to see if one is to look or will look. The question is, why haven't the supervisors of elections been looking? They're paid six figures. Now, with the so-called V8 program, it is still not the supervisor of elections responsibility. It is the felon himself or herself. It is the felon who's supposed to turn himself in. Because after all, he could ask if you vote and the state attorney find felons felonies that he didn't know the felon had committed. This ain't no lead pipe cinch. So it's more than passing strange. It ain't over. It ain't over. It's just beginning. And the fact remains why do you just blanketly exonerate? Well, we're going to split hairs. Let's look at it this way. Uh, the supervisor election representative who went to the jail nine days after he was told by his boss, Barton, that the courts had upheld the restitution ruling. He goes to the jail, which has nothing but lawbreakers in it, or they wouldn't be there, and says and does what? Now, we're going to try to find out now, once these people have been arraigned about their 
post-Miranda statements because up until now, they have been expunged from public record. Are these guys going to say, well, I was told? When the state attorney has already said through the mole, Derry Lloyd, oh, we're not going to bother anybody in the state attorney's office. Well, you don't even know what's going to come out yet. Oh, yeah, we do. We got the post-Miranda statements. You just don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Bottom line is, none of this would have ever taken place. You can believe that V8 stuff if you want to. None of this would have ever taken place without the Ward Scott files finding through the data investigator these blatant. And how did he find it? Routinely looking at voter registration rolls, which is what the supervisor of elections you would think should be doing, and finds there's a whole glob of them who used the jail as her address when they registered. And the supervisor couldn't find that? Well, no, because the supervisor's representative registered them. Now, come on. So this whole show today, you know, the titles are the last thing to come for the presentations. Now, look at the particular stories that have come out in the last 24 hours, 48 hours. I look at them from a wide, diverse, and inclusive consulting list. Works consulted. My works consulted are vast and diverse. All right. And then when I take a look at the stories I think are most interesting to you and have the most lessons in them that I can help you see, then I make those sources, my work cited, and I present this to you, but it is an inductive process. The particulars reveal a pattern which suggests a title. I don't start with the title, then go looking for the particulars. Because that is easy to manipulate. It's easy to deceive yourself. Because a lot of us don't even know our biases. I am biased towards bias. I don't know what, that's not the, I am predisposed to spend time with intelligent people. Who, and I have little, as I've gotten older, less and less patience for intellectually lazy people. And I think that's the only thing really that separates the bright from the dull, is the bright or intellectually curious. Let me play a word game with you. Three words. Three words. Write them down. Write them down. Wonder. W-O-N-D-E-R. Yonder. Y-O-N-D-E-R. And wander. W-A-N-D-E-R. Three words. Wonder, yonder, and wander. Now, if you were blind, but suddenly could see, what would be the first thing you would do? What would be the first thing you would do once your eyes were open and you could see? You would look 
yonder. You would look yonder. What would be the second thing you would do? You would wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R. You would wonder. And what would be the third thing you would do? You would wander, W-A-N-D-E-R. What am I saying? A lot of people are blind. Not literally, because, but figuratively, because they don't ever look yonder. If they were to really look, a lot of them from that point on don't wonder. And you can see how the three work. If they don't wonder, then they can't wander because if they wander, they really want to investigate. You look yonder, you wonder what you see, then you wander looking to find out what you saw. That is the way the intellectual process works. That's the way the thinking process is built. I don't want to hang around people who don't look yonder. Now, if they can't wonder when they look yonder, it might be because of limited thinking skills. That's okay. If that's the case, then, you know, you put them over to one side. But you really want to find the people who do all three. And when they wander, there is a trick to that. There's a process to that. The only way to know when you wander, okay, since you haven't been there before, all right, since you haven't been there before, the only way to know is to take the path of not knowing. And how will you create the path? Because there's nothing been down that path. There is no path. Because you're wandering, you use your craft. How did those sailors cross the ocean? They were fantastic navigators. They knew those stars didn't fix their didn't change their locations. They knew the craft of sailing. So many people don't have a craft. So many people don't know how to proceed on the wandering. We can talk about Plato here. We can talk about Confucius here. So you've got to do this. Now, there are some other things I meant to get into today. They're very serious, very serious, very serious going on here. And that is, I'll try to categorize it for you. The divisive rhetoric by Biden of the attempt to spread something called the replacement theory. That's going to be what it is, very dangerous to this country because people see through it. People don't like to be called names by their president and be told they're guilty of something that they're not guilty of. They don't like that. 
So replacement theory is part of the blame game. It's dangerous. It's a deeply anti-American view. It's poisoning people's minds. And it's available in the dark recesses of the internet. Politicians right now better be careful in their rhetoric. Better be careful in the logic of massacre causation. They're going to make the problem worse. A lot of intelligent Publications are pointing this out already. Opinion page of the Wall Street Journal. They're not necessarily radical right publications. They're not necessarily, they're just places where thinking people can gather to exchange opinions. Here's some of the obvious things I've heard already come to me that have also been cited in the opinion page of the journal. Schumer, already blasting white supremacy, but has no political opposition. No mention when the fellow drove his car through all the people, right? You recall that? The... Uh, Deranged black man ran down white grandmothers at a Waukesha, Wisconsin, I think I said that word right, Indian word, holiday parade. Do you recall that? A deranged black man ran down white grandmothers at the parade. Did Schumer and Biden? Get a hold of this and put it in perspective properly? Did anybody blame the anti-Republican rhetoric of Bernie Sanders when Steve Scalise at a baseball practice in 2017 was almost killed? This white replacement theory has no place in American politics. It is, according to the opinion pages of the journal, which I totally agree with, it promotes an obsession with race that is politically and culturally corrosive. And it's coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States, who is busy trying to foster an insurrection investigation when he himself, many believe, is causing and deepening insurrection. Furthermore, Hispanics and Asians, we've looked at this, they share more often than not conservative values, especially Cubans, for example, Catholic, family-oriented, solid people, Republicans. But the Democrats are using this replacement theory to smear as racist anyone who doesn't like open borders or critical race theory. And buddy, it is super dangerous. I'm going to go on record as saying that. I'm going to ask that these national leaders tone it down because it's not helping. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.